This is Dana Steele. I lost my mother, Fran Nicholson, to Alzheimer's. I remember being absolutely blindsided by the diagnosis. I thought I knew what it was, but I had no idea where to start, where to go, what to do, what questions to ask, or what was coming. So I posted on Facebook. My mom was diagnosed with early stages of Alzheimer's today. Facebook became my community and my support and my therapy group. If I didn't know what to do, you did. When mom died, I decided I would tell our story, the good, the bad, even the funny, to try to help families and let caregivers know you are not alone. Speak up, reach out, ask for help, and remember there is no right way or wrong way to do this. I've now told my story for years. In a book titled Surviving Alzheimer's with Friends, Facebook, and a Really Big Glass of Wine. In a play, The Woman in the Mirror, which will be running the month of March in Palm Springs, California at the Revolution Stage Company. And now in a podcast. And now I want to hear your story. I want others to hear your story. I want to tell your story. This is Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. Welcome to episode number 10 of Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. The team is taking a break for the next couple of weeks for the holidays, and then we'll be back with new episodes the second week of January. And over the last year or so, when I started this project, I've interviewed my brother-in-law several times about different subjects. Known to many of us in the family as T.O. Willie. You heard him at the very beginning when we started these episodes. He is uh, actually a leading neurologist and Alzheimer's researcher uh, in Naples, Florida, Dr. William Justice. We start with a big question for me. Why did mom forget my name? Her caregiver, her best friend, I was the one the closest to her. Why was I one of the first that she forgot? And what do you do when someone you love so much says, what's your name? Why did mom forget my name? I was her caregiver. I was her, you know, I love my brother, but I was so much closer to my mom as most daughters are. Why did she forget my name, the person she was closest to? That one's hard to answer because the way I explain it to most of my family members is is that there's orbits around the patient. The closer you are inside of that orbit, the closer you are to the patient, your name is usually retained until the end. The fact that she would lose your name before your brother's name, that's actually rare. That's actually not the norm. That's the exception. Something must have happened inside of her brain that was atypical for an Alzheimer's patient. There may have been a small stroke. Maybe there was heavy plaque burden uh, right around that particular memory and wiped it out. But we can't say for sure. What happened in your case, very rare. What do you do when an Alzheimer's patient forgets your name? what is the best way to handle it? Because obviously I preach, lose the words I told you so and remember. Also lose the words no and don't. So what do you do? All right, so your mother, uh, you're caring for her and all of a sudden she has no idea who you are. You're just that nice lady or you're that nice man that helps her out. Assume the role, just assume it. Try not to correct them because think about it. In your situation right now, 
if a stranger came up to you and corrected you, what's your natural reaction? You're going to be sore about that. You're going to defend yourself and you're going to lash out. But if that stranger is nice and sweet and helpful and says, yes, ma'am, I'm here to help you. You have to lose a bit of your ego when you care for an Alzheimer's patient. There's going to be things that they say to you that are outrageous. They're going to cuss at you. They're going to yell at you. They're going to call you terrible things. They're going to forget who you are. They're going to call you their mother. I'm not your mother. I'm not that old. Yeah, but the patient is forgetting how old they are. They think they're like 25 and they look at you and they say, oh, she's in her 50s. Oh, well, then this must be my mother. You have to lose ego. You have to be very patient. And it's hard. You and I both know because we have both cared for parents with this disease. And you just have to step back, bite your tongue, and smile a whole lot. You have to make the environment for them as comfortable as possible. Now explain this situation to me. Um, Mom didn't know who I was. I was just the nice lady that took care of her. Mm -hmm. Um, It would upset her when people called me Dana because I was not the Dana she was waiting for. Now explain this. But she remembered very much the 25, 30-year-old Dana that was on the radio. That's who she was waiting for. Why? So... Think about Alzheimer's literally rolling back your memory like a rug, okay? And it rolls back the memories from most recent memories, like what you had for breakfast. So if you ask these patients, what'd you eat for breakfast? When they're in a more advanced state, let's say moderate Alzheimer's, they have no clue what they had for breakfast. They sometimes don't even remember that they had breakfast. So the memories start getting rolled back further and further in time. So what happens is, is that the patient forgets that Dana has grown up. She has grown adult children of her own. So the patient has forgotten that, by the way, Dana's life has marched on and she's now this middle-aged woman with her own family, her own career, her own life. She's not that 25-year-old girl who starry out on the radio. So when she looks at you, she's like, you're not Dana. You're a middle-aged woman. Who are you? My daughter's 25 years old. She's on the radio. She has forgotten the intervening years. Now, I know you're not a shrink. You're a neurologist, but you probably, you know, I play a shrink several times a day. What do you recommend to the caregiver, the family member, they do for themselves because it is very, it can be very sad. It can be very upsetting that, you know, Mom and I were best friends. We were extremely close. We talked all the time. What do you tell families as time goes on to to take care of themselves, to relieve that sadness, to let go of that anger and the sadness that your own mom has forgotten who you are, doesn't know who you are? Support groups to start with. All right. Those are tremendously beneficial. In every urban center in the United States, there's a support group for Alzheimer's. Uh, We're here in Southwest Florida. It's a relatively small population. It's a transitory population. And yet we have very powerful support groups down here. So if we have it, most cities over 100,000 people will definitely have it. 
So I would recommend that everybody, all caregivers for Alzheimer's patients, reach out to the support groups. The other thing is, is that the, the caregivers need to educate themselves. If they just go to the Alzheimer's Association websites or some of the other local websites, educate yourself as to the progression of the disease. Not everybody's gonna be the same, okay? Some people progress very quickly, some people progress very slowly, but educate yourself so you have a rough idea. And also during the support groups, listen to the experiences of the other people. Listen to what they have to say, what they've dealt with, and say, well, that could be me. The problem is, is that the caregivers don't want to hear what the other people have to say. It's hard to listen to what they have to say because it's sad. But the information is vital for your ability to succeed in this role. I hear a lot of people say to me, I remember when my mom said, you know, Gary never Gary never, you know, I have a son named Gary. And Gary says, Mom, I am Gary. Mm -hmm. Do you do that? No. Don't, don't correct the patient, all right? The only times I tell the family members and the caregivers to correct the patient is if what they're doing or saying poses a risk to themselves or to others. So if the patient snatches up the keys to the car and says, I'm going to go drive right now. Okay, let's, let's not do that. All right, you're too far along in your disease and you shouldn't be behind the wheel of the car. You're going to hurt yourself or someone else. As long as it doesn't cause any harm to the patient, roll with it. Again, you have to lose your ego. What the patient has just taken away from Gary in this instance is his, his, his identity. The patient has taken away his identity, but you have to roll with it because if you start correcting the patient, they're going to get angry. And now you've made both your lives miserable. Okay, let's visit that. Mom said to me one day, I said, you know, you're such a great mama. And she said, I'm a mama. And I said, yeah, you got two kids, Scooter and Dana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I said, and I'm that daughter, Dana. She looked so mad at me. She was like, prove it. What do you do? I did laugh, which made her even matter. But what do you do when you slip up and you do make the patient mad, angry? It's you have to weather the storm. All right. If you've ever raised children, you know that once they start throwing a tantrum, there is nothing you can do to stop that tantrum. That storm has to run its course. So in this case, all right, you slipped up, you realize, wait a minute, this is a trigger word or a trigger phrase for the patient. A, I'm never going to do this again. And B, say, well, okay, how would you like me to prove it? Work with them and try to work within their world to try and prove it. And if you say, you know what, I left my license at home, I can't prove it right now, and try to get off the topic as quickly as possible. Hey, you want to go get some lunch? I'd like, and then pick like their favorite restaurant or their favorite meal. Try to get them off topic as quickly as possible. It just came so out of the blue. It was not angry. It was, you know, it was kind of sandwiched between can we watch Wheel of Fortune and can we go get something to eat? It was like, remind me again what your name is. It was very sweet. It was like she knew somewhere in there she was supposed to know. Mm -hmm. What other things would you add that I haven't asked you? Oof, there's so many things with Alzheimer's disease. Well, I know we're going to touch on all of them in all the episodes, but this particular one is when the, the person you love is forgetting you, daughter, son, husband, wife. You, you have to lose 
your your desire to correct you you have got to move away from that it is very hard humans like being right they like being correct and uh no my name is not joe it's dana all right i'm your daughter as soon as you start going down that path you're going to make both your lives miserable and the whole concept of orbits i think is actually a really valid one you know the grandkids, well, those are further away in the orbit from the patient, all right? They're friends from high school that they haven't talked to in 20 years. Well, that's really far out in their orbit. And the closer you are, the more likely that the memory is going to be stuck there inside of your brain. The other thing is, is that pretend that there's two children in a family, all right? One kid was really taxing for the page. You know, when that kid was young, that kid was taxing. That they were always having to get involved with that kid. Uh, they were, you know, uh, run-ins with the neighbors, the cops, whatever. And then there was always the kid that was the angel. Did what they were told. They were easy. You're going to find that the easy kid will actually fall out of their memory quicker than the difficult child. Even though the difficult child grew up and became a, a tremendous adult and was is a great human being, there's emotional investment there. And human brains remember things with emotional content. The example I give with that is the day you got married, what was it like? Oh, wow. You could probably give me a moment-by-moment -moment description of the day you got married. Yeah, but now tell me the day three weeks to the day after you got married. Who knows? just another day. It was another Saturday. Who cares? That's the point. There's emotional content there and the emotional content really anchors memory. It's amazing how well it does that. Trust me, make anybody angry and they are going to remember their name, your name 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never make your wife angry. We remember her. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that starts to make sense now because I was the easy kid. My brother, not so much. Um, but she was emotionally invested in Dana Steele, the rock and roll radio superstar in Houston, because she so much loved living that life and going yeah. to concerts or whatever, being Dana Steele's mom. Yeah. So she remembers that era, but Dana Steele, when she was 16, was off in college. And she was doing her thing and she, wow, college at 16, that's crazy. And so she didn't have to worry about you because Dana was going to be just fine. Uh, the other one, okay, well, we worried about him. He turned out just fine, but there was that emotional investment at that time. Maybe that explains what uh, happened at that point, maybe. Or the other theory that I threw out earlier, maybe there was something else going on inside of her head at that time. Some other Something little bit physical, like a stroke or whatever. Yeah, a little bit of pathology, maybe. So final words on this whole particular subject when your loved one forgets you. Be patient. Don't take it personal, all right? You are not their loved one at that point. You are their caregiver. Your job in that role is to make sure that that patient is living the best life that they can. You have to lose your ego and just roll with it. You have to roll with that punch because they're going to throw that punch. If the patient's disease gets far enough along, they're going to forget who you are. 
And your job is not to be recognized by them. Your job is to care for them and make sure that they are in a safe and caring environment. Coming up next, what's the last thing you forget? <gasps> he kissed me. To Anagata DeVita in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. And you remember it. You remember where? You remember the song? You remember when? Wow, that's powerful. Name in the last year a memory that's that powerful. Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's is brought to you by The Woman in the Mirror, an onstage manual disguised as a dark comedy for navigating Alzheimer's with love, laughter, and a little bit of wine. You can help bring the play to the Revolution Stage Company in Palm Springs, California in March with a tax-deductible donation to our grant fund. There's a link in this episode's description and on our website at survivingalzheimerspodcast.com. It is my love letter to caregivers. Remember, when it comes to Alzheimer's, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Now, back to more of Surviving Alzheimer's. You said something the other day that really stuck with me, and it was so fascinating, and that is one of the last things you forget is your date of birth. And biographical information. Like what? Your name. You've heard these pieces of information your entire life. Your mother called you by your name and said, congratulations, it's your birthday. Your father, your siblings, your neighbors, even your buddies, they all talk to you about your biographical information and it's very deeply ingrained in our brains. I remember the first time mom saw somebody's name tag said Francis and she got upset. That's my name. And then it was not too long after that that I said, I don't know what we were talking about, but I said, my name is Dana Francis. And she was like, ah, my name is Francis. You can't have that name. So she remembered her name. But it was, it was interesting. Date of birth, though, is a, I mean, those are numbers. And people actually remember that. It's true. Well, let me ask you this. Can you remember your sixth birthday or seventh birthday? Maybe something where... Something really special happened, like maybe a pony came to your party, or your, it was the first big party you ever had, and your friends were there, and you were so excited, and you were the center of attention. The clown from Princess Hampers. There you go. How old is that memory? Not and now, say. <laughs> <laughs> but that information, so that helps ingrain that date of birth into your brain, because every year for your entire life, you celebrate that day. So memories are typically tied to emotion. The day you got married, well, you remember that. But tell me what it was like four weeks after the day of your wedding. It was just another day. We humans are funny because we tie memory to emotion tightly. And if there's a party every day on the same day of year just for you, you're going to remember that day. So why is it that people can't, maybe they can remember the day they got married, but they can't remember who they married? That is an interesting question. I can't answer that. It is, think of Alzheimer's as islands of preserved information. Ooh, I like that. Islands of preserved information. So, so what islands do you collect and which islands do you discard? It's random. It really is. It's completely random. So for some people, you know, they remember the names of their children better 
than the names of their spouse and vice versa. Just today, I had a uh, patient in my office. She was in the severe stages of Alzheimer's and she could not remember her daughter's name who was literally seated right next to her. I said, who's that nice lady? She's a nice lady. Who's this man? It's my husband. And she named the man appropriately. And other times I get it 180 degrees the other way around. They'll remember their children, but not their spouse. Maybe it's there's a greater emotional connection in their brain to their children as opposed to their spouse or the other way around. I don't know. So it's almost like the things that you've, you've experienced your whole life, good or bad, birthdays, trauma, whatever, that are embedded deeply in the tissues of your brain. And the more recent, as you progress through time, those things aren't as embedded, so they tend to disappear. As we get older, there are few, fewer emotional days. You remember the day that your first boyfriend broke up with you? You remember your first kiss? You remember your first date, your first dance? Now, give me a memory from the last year. You probably have one or two. That really stand out. Yeah, hmm. but from the ages of 12 to 15, Probably every one of those events I just named happened. It's a first. Yeah. It's big. It's emotional. <gasps> he kissed me. To Anagata DeVita in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Richard Whitmire. Okay. There you go. If he's listening, Richard Whitmire, he kissed me. But yeah, and you remember it. You remember where? You remember the song? You remember when? Wow, that's powerful. Name in the last year a memory that's that powerful. As we get older, there's fewer of these really powerful memories and they're usually tied to marriages. So your kids get married or a birth or... A big deal. Or a death. Mm. The death of your parent. I still remember the exact date of my mother's death. A death of a spouse. A death of a spouse. You know, as we get older, Yes, there are these emotional events, but they're different. Her question? What's your name? Wow. The way she said it, I knew she was still in there because she said it almost, you know, with, she said it with an apology. She knew she was supposed to know it. And I knew it was coming. I'd been told, but no matter how much you prepare, no matter how much you know it's coming, when it comes, you are just not ready when your mom asks you, what's your name? This podcast is brought to you in part by the book Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine. When mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I posted it on Facebook. What started as a way to let friends and family know mom had Alzheimer's turned into a support system for me and from that turned into a support system and a community. The first half of the book is the Facebook post, and that's to give people a sense of, you're not alone. There's no right, there's no wrong, it's okay to laugh at inappropriate things, it's okay to cry, it's okay to say bad words, drink wine and throw things. The other half of the book is uh, very important resources for caregivers. The one thing I want you to take away is you never know. Love your family, love 
everyone, take every adventure, do everything, but also make sure you have everything ready to go and you're organized in the background so that when all is said and done, you have lived today. I wish I had known, and if I wish I had known, I think there's other people that wish they, that wish they could know what's coming next. Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine is available at Amazon in paperback and Kindle versions. And now, back to the podcast, Surviving Alzheimer's with Dana Steele. Thanks again for listening to Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. It is definitely a labor of love honoring my late mother, Fran Nicholson, who I lost to Alzheimer's, and a love letter to caregivers everywhere that have gone through this, are going through this, think they may be going through this. Just know you're not alone, and you have an entire community of steelworkers, that's what my listeners on radio used to call themselves. So you know what? You're an honorary steel worker, and we're all here with you. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening to Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. The podcast is produced by Blue Squirrel Productions and JFA Entertainment. Dana Steele, me, executive producer. It's brought to you by the book Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon. You'll be able to see the play, The Woman in the Mirror, in Palm Springs, California at the Revolution Stage Company in March of 2024. The original music in the podcast, I remember, was written and is performed by Jeannie Cunningham. If you have questions, something you'd like to share, or you'd like to tell me your story, you'll find the corresponding links in this episode's description. And do me a favor, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And as mom always said, I love you, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Thank you.